0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Let us begin today by going back in time. A couple summers ago, I remember being in Hoover, Alabama for SEC Media Days. And i remember i was like driving home it was one of those things where i would just sort of driven over for one day getting ready to drive back home and i remember just kind of leaving out of hoover and uh, I, as luck would have it i ended up pulling over at the uh bucky's there in leeds it's pouring down rain uh pulling over bucky's there in leeds because the Houston Chronicle story had just come out that Texas and Oklahoma, Brent Sorneman had good reporting on this, that Texas and Oklahoma were joining the SEC. And man, this was, as you remember, a huge, huge bombshell. I mean, this was a gigantic seismic shift into the way in which we'd sort of thought about college football when I was a kid. Texas-Oklahoma were in the southwest, or actually Oklahoma's in the big eight, Texas was in the southwest conference. Now they're both coming to the SEC. This was far different than the sport any of us had grown up with that that any of us had understood and it was a really seemingly big signal that the sec was taking no prisoners in its attempt to what a lot of folks sort of viewed as as taking over the sport and made a lot of folks really mad it's kind of created a little bit of uh, bad blood something between the sec and the big ten that maybe possibly still exists here to this day and you know at the time You know, there were a lot of folks who were kind of like pointing a lot of fingers and and arguing and criticizing the SEC for what they thought was kind of like bad faith behavior and all this kind of stuff, so much so that uh, Greg Sankey had to step up and – almost going to defend the league for what he said was a decision by texas and oklahoma to join the league and not some sort of conspiracy by espn or some sort of power play by the sec as a way of sort of setting us up for where we need to go today let's go back and hear what sankey said about this a couple of summers ago this is the sec commissioner
1: those two universities reached out to us and things accelerated in the middle of media days with the houston chronicle report and uh, it was a pretty busy 10 days but I'm excited about our future, but um, pretty clearly that was the two universities reaching out. So, you know, in the CFP discussion, just to extend it, you know, ESPN has done this. No, that's that's not accurate. Uh, this is two universities who are making decisions about their future and chose to, to reach out to the Southeastern Conference. And the result is a membership transition that's contemplated July 1st, 2025, around the, the, their completion of contractual commitments to their currently.
0: Now, here is the thing that I remember most about the aftermath of that period of time. Greg Sankey saying, hey, this is what Texas and Oklahoma want to do. We're here for them. This isn't an ESPN, you know, sort of puppet master thing to kind of take over college football. This isn't the SEC trying to orchestrate some huge power play uh, to try to, you know, vanquish its other rival leagues. This is simply Texas and Oklahoma wanting to make a move. Here is the thing I remember the most from that time. And, and, And I think we still see a lot of evidence of this even now. People just weren't that excited about it. I mean, listen, we are a very SEC-centric show. I'm probably, you know, in the eyes of many, kind of an SEC homer. I don't really mind that. I care about the SEC far more deeply than I care about any other league. I'm just sort of always been kind of an SEC guy. My favorite brand of sports uh, of all is SEC sports. And even, you know, those of us who take a lot of kind of regional pride in being the SEC and being the best league, the SEC getting bigger in the eyes of some, maybe better, you know, back when this first was announced. I just remember how few people seem to be really kind of touting that and how few people seem to be really viewing this as a great flex of, oh, wow, look how powerful the SEC is. I remember there being at least a lot of wait and see attitude related to this and some downright skepticism this was going to be better for football at all. And I remember even remember some, you know, very pro SEC types wondering, well, if the SEC just squashes the other conferences, is there still a college sports to enjoy if the SEC is the only league that there is? That the whole idea of SEC pride requires another conference to compare yourself to? And if there are no more conferences, the SEC just lays waste to them all, then I'm not really quite so sure that's even college sports anymore. That there was some concern about that at the time you may remember this well now you fast forward a couple of years because back then we knew they were coming we just didn't really officially know when because obviously they had kind of long-term contracts with their league the big 12 well now we know that the negotiations have been completed the money's going to the right places the tv networks have figured all this out and now as we found out yesterday Texas and Oklahoma are now on their way to join the SEC next year for 2024. I let you hear Greg Sankey from when this first happened. Now, let me let I'll read to you the statement that he put out last night. The Southeastern Conference learned today of the decision by the Big 12 Conference to alter the membership exit day for the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. We're continuing our preparation for this membership transition. and We look forward to welcoming the conference's new members and moving into our future as a 16-team league. The presidents and chancellors of the SEC previously voted with unanimous approval to accept the app. Somehow, Greg Senke has a way of making everything sound like the most boring thing in the world, even something like this. But nonetheless, uh, they've unanimously agreed to accept uh, Oklahoma and Texas to join the conference July 1st, uh, 2025, and have now authorized the conference to proceed with facilitating that take place on July 1st, 2024. So blah, 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 blah. Basically, the SEC is growing by two members for next year. Now, as I said before, there has never been a groundswell of excitement about this. I'm not even really quite so sure how, even how excited Texas and Oklahoma are. I mean, uh, their football coach at Oklahoma, when they first found out about this, tuck tail and ran to L.A., so clearly he wasn't excited about it. Uh, but beyond that, I just don't get the, ex- I don't get the extent that ne- the, the sense that necessarily anybody's all that excited about this. This is just sort of a thing that is happening. And like any other kind of reality in life, eventually just sort of make peace with it. I think people have sort of made peace with this here now. Before we're done with this conversation in a couple of minutes, I'm going to share with you what I think is the one overwhelmingly good thing about all of this. We'll get to that here coming up. But prior to that, let's talk about this from the perspective of a Georgia fan. What is the number one way the Texas-Oklahoma arrival next year impacts Georgia? I think it's this. One way or another, y'all better be ready. I, as a Georgia fan, better be ready. We better be ready to say goodbye to a good number of traditions. And listen, maybe eventually this will be viewed as change for the better. I'm not here to argue that it's change for the worse. I'm just simply saying it is change, and things that you have enjoyed, things that have been a big part of your life, are almost certainly about to no longer be a part of your life. And in one case, maybe possibly no longer be a part of your life. And so this year, with 2023 sort of feeling like the last year of normal, you better be willing. You better be ready to enjoy. Let me kind of run through what I'm talking about here for a moment. First of all, I've enjoyed the SEC East. One of the t-shirts that we've made around here, and uh, I've enjoyed wearing. Many of you have enjoyed wearing it. I love seeing it when you do. We kind of bring it back every year. Is the Own East t-shirt? I remember when we first made that prior to the. I guess what the twenty seventeen season, the idea was, hey, if Georgia's going to be a great program, it needed to make the division belong to it. It needed to kind of you know rubber stamp itself as the team that wins the SEC East each and every year. And for the most part, Georgia's done a really good job of doing that. And I also remember back in the time in the nineties when. You know, at that point in time, Georgia had never won the division. And you saw teams like Tennessee and Florida kind of dominating the SEC East. And for a lot of Georgia fans, they were longing for the moment that they could see their team repeating those appearances in Alabama just like the Vols and the Gators of that era were doing and now we're here and it's been I think a great thing and the pathway towards doing this with a lot of the games sort of slotted near the same time each and every year there has been some schedule change with that but but for a long time you sort of knew you're playing this team then and this team then that was kind of the steps along the way to as we see around here own the east that's been really fun well this particular year almost certainly is going to be the last year of any seces it'll be the last year that georgia has a chance to own the east i'm not here to complain and say this is a change the worst and you know worse or anything like that i'm not necessarily here to say that i'm just simply saying it is going to be a change and so if georgia hopefully can win this division one more time there is a little something to the idea that it's the last time anyone will ever win the sec east that's one of those traditions that has been in our lives now for quite some time and this is your last chance to enjoy that here in uh, 2023 and then kind of along with that one of the weird ironies of all this is is that Georgia-Tennessee is one of those games that has sort of ebbed and flowed in terms of what it means for Georgia fans. Back in the 90s, this was a really big deal because Georgia wasn't beating Tennessee. Then Georgia started beating Tennessee a little bit more regularly. And then over the course of time, Tennessee, frankly, kind of became a little bit of a bad program. And for a long time, I think to the eyes of many, Georgia-Tennessee didn't mean anything at all. Well, here we are now in the you know 2022 season the second of back-to-back national championships for georgia i think many uga fans might rank the tennessee game as the most significant moment of the season that we've sort of lived long enough now for georgia tennessee to like matter a lot again and it sort of feels like probably the biggest game that Georgia slated to play, at least in the regular season for 2023. And yet the irony of the change that we're about to undertake with the SEC because of the likelihood that you're doing away with divisions, and we'll kind of get more to what the scheduling model might look like later on the show, but kind of moving to a lot fewer permanent opponents, there is a very strong likelihood that Georgia doesn't play Tennessee every year moving forward. And there's a very good chance that Georgia won't play Tennessee in 2024. Now, so here we are in a situation where, after a long time of these two teams playing with nothing at stake, last year the Dogs and the Vols played with a lot at stake. Tennessee came rank, came into the game ranked number one. There is thought to probably be a lot at stake when these two teams play this year there as well. And then in 2024 they may not play at all. So that's another one of those traditions. If you're a Georgia fan you better be ready to enjoy uh you better be ready to kind of soak up the idea of beating Tennessee in a game that matters uh here this particular season because you won't be doing that every year moving forward at least the best guess based on what's likely with some of the scheduling stuff that could be coming on the way more on that maybe a little bit later on the show then another tradition that I think you gotta get ready to say goodbye to I mean in fact I know this is a fact this is one of those things you don't have to speculate about this is also the last year of the old TV contract for the SEC. Uh, In other words, one of the reasons why the, the push was made to get Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC for 2024 is that's also the first year of the expanded playoff, but it's also the first year of the brand new sec media rights deal that puts all the games on the espn family of networks that means this year when you watch georgia football or when you watch sec football this will be the last time you watch those games on cbs and i have loved the cbs tv product i think cbs does a really good job of making sec football feel really big on its network obviously i love the theme song the da, 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 da. we all kind of love that theme song but I just think that the SEC on CBS has always felt like a really big TV product, and one of the things I've expressed as some concern when when the SEC moves all of its games over to the ESPN SEC network sort of family of television networks, I think a lot of things on SEC, I think a lot of the things on ESPN just have a tendency to feel a little smaller. I think a lot of the things on ESPN sort of feel very cableish in comparison to the over-the-air broadcast network like CBS. Even those, even though those are kind of antiquated terms, there's just an element in which sports on ESPN just sort of feels small. You've got the scroll at the bottom of the screen showing scores for sports leagues I don't care about. You've got you know all kinds of just junk all over the place. It just feels very cableish at times, and I think that's going to be a little bit of a concern for the SEC as it moves to ESPN. How do you make our games feel big? How do you make our games feel because by comparison the big 10 is going to have nbc cbs and fox three what i would call kind of broadcast networks the espn situation has got to make sure it sort of feels as big and substantial as what the uh what the big 10 product is going to look like but either way these will be the these will this year will be the final games for the SEC on CBS. I've enjoyed that network carrying my league's games. and I've enjoyed that theme song. I've enjoyed the idea that 330 on Saturday is about the biggest piece of real estate you can have from a sports on TV standpoint. And this is the year we'll say goodbye to that. That is a tradition that we got to get ready to uh, say goodbye because we know for a fact that one's coming to an end. Now, with all of that said, one final point here we can pretty well guess for sure there will be no divisions and if there are no divisions we can make an educated guess that there's a very good chance that george as i said before will no longer be playing tennessee each and every year and we know for a fact that george is about to stop playing its games on cbs after this year new tv contract uh with espn that's all at least in the case of the tv thing certain and and you know very likely when it comes to some of the other stuff now one final tradition and this is more speculation but it's also one of those things i think you've got to be very much on guard for and this is a big one for me and it's a big one for many of you as well there is a very good chance this is the final cocktail party that in uh october of 2023 georgia place florida in jacksonville for the final time i don't know that to be a fact uh, maybe i end up being wrong i've certainly been wrong plenty maybe i'm wrong about this But we saw the joint statement come out from both Georgia and Florida a year ago that they were very unusual for something like this to happen. That They were monitoring the situation there in Jacksonville. This is the final year of the contract. There are option years for 2024 and 2025. But given the nature of that joint statement a year ago, it certainly seems like both of the schools are more open to the notion that the cocktail party could be canceled than at any point in time in the past with the contract coming to an end and the new sec on espn tv contract taking place and the expanded league and the change in the schedule and all of that this just may be one of those perfect storms that means for those of us who've enjoyed as the great larry munson would have said saint Simons and Jekyll island and all those places where those dog people have those condominiums for four and five days or whatever the great quote from munson was on that this may be the last year of it all because as you know This is what Kirby Smart wants anyway. You don't need a reminder of this, but I'll give you the audio from Smart last year talking about why from a recruiting standpoint, Georgia-Florida for him is such a hassle, such a headache because it takes away an opportunity that he would have every other year to host recruits on campus. Smart has made it very clear his feelings, including last fall, uh, one more time from Kirby on that.
1: We're allowed to use tickets, but we can't host them. We can't do anything. So there's, I never understood, I never understand what 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 would we do with them we can't legally see them we can't talk to them we can't host them can't visit with them uh we can say there's a ticket at the gate um enjoy the game so that's, that's really all we can do and, and uh we'll, we'll do that we'll, we'll, we'll have uh, uh some kids go to the game
0: so listen i have done everything in my power try to keep the cocktail party in place not that I have a ton of power and it comes to stuff like this but I've obviously stated my preference I like Georgia Florida and Jacksonville Kirby Smart though is a very tough competitor when it comes to things like this because he's now won two straight national championships and there is a certain mandate that comes with a coach that wins at the level that Kirby Smart has won those types of coaches typically sort of get their way and Smart obviously wants the game out of Jacksonville and his desire also coincides with a lot of other change coming to the sec this sort of feels like if i have to be honest one of those other traditions that if you're a georgia fan you better be ready to say goodbye to it and you might be wise to enjoy it as much as you possibly can this year because of at least the chance that exists that it might be going away. So a lot of traditions that are out there for Georgia that might play out for the final time here in 2023. My advice to you is to make sure you enjoy them. Now, I do think there is one overwhelmingly positive thing with the change that's coming up for the SEC starting next season. I'll tell you about that. But first, let me introduce the show. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Kroger and Glad. To have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Of course, we start even earlier than that, 9 45, 1st and 15, DogNation.com, Dog Nation app. Of course, Radio Noon, App and Sports Radio 960 f podcast, wherever you find them, including the World Famous Dog Nation.com. Just so happy to have you. Uh, all across the uh various platforms and whatever it is you, you use to join us. We're just glad you get here one way or another. Obviously, big game coming up on Sunday, and our sponsor for today, Kroger has got you covered on all of that you can get winning snack and all kinds of savings on all your game day fixings including kielbasa's ribs home chef chicken wings and of course beer and wine for that big day so check all that out at your local kroger in fact to find out about all the great savings you can enjoy check out kroger.com football for more on that that is kroger.com football for a lot of more on that. All right, we're going to do Jeff Santel talk some UJ recruiting with Jeff here coming up in just a few minutes. Also, one final update on the big giveaway from Kroger. We'll get to that here coming up in just a moment there, too. And I'm going to do around the doghouse on the subject of UJ recruiting here in a moment there as well. Let me, though, before I get to that, kind of finish the point that I was making a moment ago, because we know Texas and Oklahoma come to the SEC. We know it brings big change with it all kinds of traditions that Georgia fans are getting ready to say goodbye to here for this year. And my advice is make sure you enjoy them. Georgia fans already got plenty to enjoy this season. Very strong possibility that Georgia goes for three and twenty three. That's fun in its own right. But doing so as kind of like the series finale of what is college ball's old model of the SEC's old model, I think makes that a little bit more fun, maybe makes that a little bit more special. So to keep you from thinking I'm just being overly negative because I'm really not intending to be, I'm just talking about The factual reality that some things are ending. You better make sure you enjoy them if you've appreciated them in the past. Let me give you a positive. This is one very quick positive, I believe, for um, what the new era of SEC football is going to usher in with it. The one thing that we overwhelmingly hear from Georgia fans here right now for this season is they are very disappointed about the schedule. And in some cases, you've got like outsiders to the program, media types, opposing fans, things like that. How is Georgia playing such a soft schedule? You hear that a lot that's what the 2023 schedule for Georgia is thought to be. It's kind of soft. Now, I retort to all of that is, well, part of the problem here is, is not that Georgia plays a soft schedule. Part of the problem is that there are so few teams capable of competing with Georgia that anybody that Georgia played would look like a soft opponent because they just won the national championship game 65 to 7. I don't know what to tell you in terms of finding somebody who can play Georgia close when so few teams have proven capable of doing that. But pushing that aside for a moment, it's not just opposing fans or media types who talk about the soft schedule for Georgia. It's also Georgia fans themselves who look at that home slate this year and they say, boy, I don't really see a marquee opponent there. Or they look at the road slate. You know, a lot of Georgia fans love taking that Dog Nation invasion style road trip every year and this year you don't really have that opportunity either you probably try to go to the Tennessee game but you know beyond that you don't really have a lot of that on this year's schedule to be frank and this is no one's fault the SEC made Georgia cancel its game with Oklahoma that was scheduled for this year but to be frank this is not a schedule commensurate with a national championship level team the biggest team in the sport is not playing the biggest games in the sport this year And that's a little bit of a letdown for Georgia fans who, I think, measure their life as a fan as much by the big games that Georgia plays in and wins, as much as the championships that get stacked along the way. So this is the one overwhelmingly positive thing that's on its way when it comes to uh, the brand new SEC scheduling model. I don't think you'll ever have to worry about this again. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what expanded SEC schedule, if it does come, I don't know what that's going to do to some of Georgia's non-conference opponents. I really don't know. I think there's some intrigue to come in the future on that, and I won't openly speculate about too much of that today. But there could be some unanswered questions related to what about some of these non-conference games that Georgia is supposed to play in addition to the one that just got canceled against Oklahoma? What's coming up with some of those? We'll get to that probably eventually. Uh, you could have some interesting chatter coming up about that. But in the near term, I don't think you'll ever have to worry about, ah Georgia's playing a bad schedule. Georgia doesn't have enough fun games. Georgia doesn't have any cool road trips. Georgia doesn't have any marquee home games. I really do think that the best thing with the expanded SEC is I think that's all likely to go away. Because if you do go to a nine-game conference schedule, you play three permanent opponents every year, whoever those are, the other six conference games would be a situation where, You'd basically be rotating through the entirety of the SEC every two years, and if a player arrived at Georgia, stayed for his full four years until his senior year, theoretically, he'd play at every SEC stadium prior to leaving there at UGA. So, for Georgia fans who sort of look at, you know, where's the LSU? Where's the Alabama? Where's the, I don't know, Texas A&M? If you care about that, like, where, you know, where, where's the cool team that Georgia could be playing here this year? you may not see that on the 2023 schedule but in 2024 and every year after that you probably will see a lot more of those kinds of big games on the docket and that may be the one overwhelmingly positive thing about all of this so we'll have more thoughts on this coming up in a moment for now though let's go around the doghouse and i want to shift gears here obviously uga recruiting a hot topic on our show every friday because Jeff intel joins us and speaking of jeff Jeff recently got back from a trip to Arizona, where he had a chance to hang out with five-star quarterback, really one of the big names to know for the class of 2024. For George, when it comes to Dylan Rayola, and I want to give you a little taste of this. Now, if you go back and watch, like say, before the hedges presented by Kroger, you can see the full Rayola interview. But a little bit of a clip here of Jeff interacting with Rayola on the subject of his feelings about Georgia, on the timeline for a decision, what matters to him in all of this. Before we bring on Jeff to talk more about this, let's set the stage for this around the doghouse with uh, Rayola in his own words. This from uh, just last week, the five-star quarterback. Take a listen.
2: I think just the relationships, and uh, you know, just really seeing every every school and what they have to offer. Um, and you know, for me, it really coming down to relationships. Um, you know, you can show you can show winning. You can show scheme, but you know you, you can't you can't fake, you know, being who you are and who you are all the time. So just really really getting to know the coaches at each school that I'm looking at and um, really just, just trusting trusting my family.
1: How much will your first commitment experience shape your next one?
2: I think that's big. Uh, you know, I'm lucky I get a second chance at it. Um, and you know, I just really just want to be patient and really see what every school has to offer um, and, and just you know make the best decision for me.
1: Georgia is obviously one of the schools you've mm. thought about for some time. They were your first offer. Yep. How do you feel about them right now? Like what, what has them in the mix?
2: Yeah, I think you got to start with the leader coach smart. Um, what he does for, for his program, for his players, the development he has. Um, he, he, it's really just, you You can't, you can't beat what he does.
0: So I think that's all really interesting. The one word that I find the most interesting about what Rayola says there is, is that for him, relationships are going to matter. Now, you know as I said last Friday we're trying to to make this sort of a Todd Munkin free show today but it is important for me to know that a guy like Rayola seemingly is growing closer to Georgia over the course of the last few months at a time in which Munkin's future has gotten more uncertain at Georgia over the course of that same time that if you're a Georgia fan I think you should take some comfort in this because there are obviously a lot of Georgia fans who've openly expressed their concern if Munkin were to leave and I get where you're coming from on that I think that Todd Munkin's been a great offensive coordinator for Georgia to the tune of uh, two straight national championships. But in terms of, you know, Munken's uncertain status being a distraction, it doesn't appear to be a distraction for Dylan Rayola, that ought to matter to you. And in terms of the relationships that Rayola has with Georgia seemingly being strong, even with the uncertainty about Munken, once again, I think you take some comfort in that, especially with Rayola mentioning Smart by name. You know, Smart's this defensive minded head coach, and in the eyes of some, the kind of guy that maybe by perception doesn't relate with the five-star quarterback because different side of the ball and whatever else i mean i think you hear a lot there from dylan rayola that shows you just frankly how untrue all of that is and so i'll be honest with you i have no idea what dylan rayola is going to do i think that uh this is one of those recruitments that i probably expect to take some twists and turns along the way but i do take his words there pretty seriously and i would say that it's really an invitation to you to go watch the full interview and sort of see what you can learn and kind of glean about his uh process here right now pretty interesting stuff we'll make that around the doghouse now let me give you one quick final warning before we bring on uh jeff Centel. Today is the last day to register for your chance to win the Dog Nation Cruise Giveaway, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. You know the story. April 24th of the 28th, we're on Independence of the Seas uh, with our friends at Royal Caribbean going to Nassau on the Bahamas. Perfect day, Coco Cay, that wonderful private island. It's going to be a great experience. Well, you've heard me talk about this, and our friends at Kroger had heard about this there as well, and they were like, B.A., we want to be in on this. We actually want to give away Uh, a dog nation cruise because they obviously love their relationship with all of you and they love your loyalty to them so they want to say thank you for this by giving away now here's what they're Kroger cruise giveaway looks like it's a stateroom for up to two people a hotel room in Port Canaveral the night before the dog nation cruise so one of the things that I always recommend is hey make sure you're there kind of that night before get settled in you know be ready to go on that well Kroger's going to give you that hotel room in Port Canaveral the night before the cruise so you're set up you're ready to go gas card to help you get to Port Canaveral onboard credit for you to enjoy while you're on board independence of the seas and the registration period for this Ends today, and this is not one of those things of RBA. Can you get me in? I missed it, y'all. I can't do this. This is like the legal team. Um, so the registration ends today on this. So here's what you got to do go to dognation.com, click in right there, easy to find. Top of the page, click in for your chance to win. And then simply tell us your most memorable moment from the 2022 season. Share that with us. We'll take all of our entrants. We'll draw one at random. That's going to be the winner. And we'll announce it on a future episode of our program, all courtesy of our friends at Kroger. Do you have any questions about that? Hopefully not. That is online for you at dognation.com. All right. With all that said, Lots to talk about when it comes to UJ recruiting, including, admittedly, a story this week that I don't really believe I understood. So we'll get to all of that here coming up. It is Jeff Sintel on Dog Nation Daily presented by Crooker. Let's talk to him right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right. Lots to talk to Jeff Sintel about. I'm also a little late getting to Jeff, so I apologize for that. Uh, Jeff let me begin we played a clip a moment ago of five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola and I'll be honest with you I really don't know how the Rayola recruitment's going to end I'm obviously you know very you know clued in to see where it all goes from here but the one thing I do find to be interesting right now is at a time in which the Todd Munkin situation at Georgia has never been less you know you know less certain than it is here at this particular moment that doesn't, to my eye, seem to be impacting Rayola very much. And if I'm a Georgia fan, I'd probably take some comfort in that, that one way or another, you know, a five-star quarterback doesn't seem to be, and you may correct me if I'm wrong on this, but does not seem to be hinging his decision on what Todd Munkin does one way or another. What do you make about that, that the Rayola relationship is growing with Georgia seemingly at a time in which the Munkin relationship with Georgia is becoming less certain?
1: Yeah, uh, Brandon, good morning. Hello, everybody. I think the the Raiola story is, I mean, here's just what's happened. Like Georgia, you know, Buster Faulkner, it's no secret, used to handle a lot of the recruiting uh, for Todd Munkin, especially with the guys not in the current class. A lot of the day-to-day, you know, Munkin was busy designing one of the greatest college football offenses of all time, or at least the last 10 years, uh, for a national champion. And you know, more of the day-to-day was handled by Buster. Well, I guess it was like three or four months ago. uh, Those duties were kind of shifted over to Mike Bobo. Uh, Of course, Mike Bobo is certainly revered by the Raiola family um, because of this connection to Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford and the Raiola family, certainly, I mean, there's just a great story I can remember thinking of when I think his father, Dominic, was was a fourth or fifth year veteran in the league. And Matthew Stafford was a rookie, and, like, he invited Matt over for Thanksgiving. He shared Thanksgiving with his family, and basically those guys have been so tight, best of friends ever since. Uh, Dylan either calls him Uncle Matthew or his godfather, you know, with interchangeable terms there. Um, I think he's going to watch. Everybody's going to watch and see what's ha- what, what is happening with Munkin, um, because they think, obviously, Monkin is one of the best in the game at what he does. I think kind of like Deuce Robinson said a while back, Brandon, um, that there are a lot of things that he likes about Georgia, um, and it's more than Coach Munkin. I think you know every time I've talked to Dylan, the things that come out to him are about Kirby Smart, the leadership, um, the development you would get at Georgia. And frankly, Brandon, I'm going to just say this. Most of the recruits, when they talk about Georgia, maybe the most attractive thing in terms of the developmental piece here is getting to go against that defense every day. And, Brandon, I think I'm, I'm sounding very sort of conservative here when I think that there's probably another six or seven first-round picks on Georgia's defense right now, uh, provided they develop the way they can. So uh, I think the chance to go against future NFL players in practice every day uh, under the culture of, uh, of Kirby Smart, that's one of the things Dylan also said is he said that it really seems a guy's care for one another they play for one another they bleed for one another that's also something we've heard from deuce robinson as well um there's a lot more things to like about georgia than just the offensive coordinator and great as he may be right now
0: why will this situation be different than arch manning was a year ago where george was right up in the middle of all of it right until the very end if you are a georgia fan you want to be more optimistic about rayola why will this situation be different
1: uh Number one, you know Georgia. Georgia was probably top two, always top two there with Arch Manning as well. The Manning family said that um, the Manning family said that NIL wasn't going to be a be a factor. Of course, no one wants to say that. Brandon doesn't sound really cool to say NIL is a factor, but you kind of believed it with the Manning family given their uh, means, and you believe it right now with the Dylan Raiola family. Uh, I just think the reason why it would be different is maybe Georgia wins this one, Brandon. Maybe that's the one you want to hear. That's the thing you'd like to hear. I think Georgia has shown a lot with how they developed Stetson Bennett over the last couple of years and had him play and perform at a national championship level. A lot of players see the talent and skill set that Stetson had, and they figure that you know they should be able to replicate some of the same things in the Georgia offense. I think the thing that's going to happen here for, um, for Dylan is he's going to take some visits. Really, he's already been to USC He's got he's got Georgia and Nebraska coming back to back and Brandon it's really just a projection about how he's going to feel after those back to back visits whatever combination of factors for um, Dylan that feels the best for him that's usually what he what he's going to do even in this nil area we'll say this very chummy with Georgia commitments very very chummy with Georgia commitments they're certainly talking about being potential roommates and things like that and one of the things um, Dylan Raiola and his is really aware of, Brandon, is the thought of playing against Georgia in big college football games, regardless of whether or not they choose Georgia. That's something that weighs heavily on a lot of these guys' minds.
0: Yeah, if you go to Georgia and play against Georgia, that's probably a pretty good selling point uh, here right now. Now, I thought it was interesting this week that uh, Georgia off- also extended a quarterback offer to the class of 2024. I think that Jake Merklinger is a very good prospect. You know, just pretending that Dylan Rayla doesn't exist here for a moment or Ryan Puglisi the other quarterback commit doesn't exist I think that Merklinger is just a really good prospect if you're just evaluating him in a fishbowl by himself what does it mean for all of this that Georgia did extend that offer to Merklinger this week yeah I
1: think Brandon it's just you know there's a lot of times Georgia uh no Georgia doesn't ever offer 30 quarterbacks in a cycle but they do offer about 10 and really what I think it is is What Georgia's trying to do is something that Alabama has done a couple of times, which makes us think it's possible. Last year in the cycle, they got uh, Eli Holston, and they also got Dylan Lonergan, two top ten quarterbacks, two top five quarterbacks in the class. They also did that in years past with Matt Jones and uh, Tua Tengelaloa. So it it happens, although it is rare, but uh, I think Georgia has the standard, the pedigree right now where they can take two top ten quarterbacks, Really, Brandon, when you look at it, the math does make sense. You know, regardless of whatever happens with the derby between Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, and Gunnar Stockton, I feel by the time 2024 rolls around, very likely only only to see one of those guys in a Georgia uniform. And the other thing to factor there is Georgia didn't take anybody in 2023. So really the recipe is there where Georgia has to take at least two quarterbacks in the 2023 class. And most would speculate, maybe it would even be amateur speculation, that uh, regard, let's say Georgia, uh, the fact that Georgia ideally signing both Dylan Reitola and Ryan Puglisi, top five quarterbacks, going to be pretty hard to do. So what you do is you kind of fortify and build the relationship for plan Bs for both of those slots or alternate understudy apprentices for both of those slots. Because you can't start, start recruiting a kid, as you know, Brandon, once the guys say no and go somewhere else. you got to start working on it and building a, building a relationship. I saw Jake Merklinger this past year uh, play for Calvary. against. They were very outmatched against a loaded Cedar Grove team. You know, very athletic, Brandon, very big body, very athletic body, going to be certainly that dual threat that Kirby wants to see under center for years to come at Georgia. I just think he was very, very flushed, and he was always running on the move and having to operate out of the pocket. I don't know if his, um, you know, Pocket awareness, overall passing game, what he has to bring to bear. I don't know if it's as advanced as what I've seen from other uh, guys in the state, uh, other top-rated guys in the state over the last four or five years. I hear he's going to get there. I hear he's finally working with some great trainers down there in South Georgia and also Florida. Um, I expect he has all the tools, but really looks like kind of raw right now on the raw side there to me.
0: I want to shift gears here to another guy you've spent time with lately, and that's five-star tight end, Deuce Robbins, and that's a class of 2023 player, of course. I guess that's the last 2023 guy that's out there for anybody, I guess, for the most part, and uh, I think he's spoken out 24-7 sports. I had this quote earlier this week that he's viewing April 1st as I think he calls it the cutoff date to make a decision uh, about where he wants to go, and I guess it could come sooner than that. He's also indicated that he'll be um, – being there, he says, whenever move-in day is, what do you make of this, I guess, addendum to the timeline here for a Deuce Robinson, the fact that by spring break, basically, we'll know what Robinson's doing?
1: Yeah, here's some new information. He had to kind of sift through that a little bit, Brandon, because I don't know if we've reached the point where decision deadline deadline dates are headlines rather than specific dates, but what it does is it lets the world know two things. Number one, big bold italic font that he's going to play college football. That's something he has reiterated yeah. at every turn. Uh, he wants to be a college football player. Uh, there's going to be no huge um, major league baseball payday that will likely buy him out of that uh, college football dream, Brandon. It's what he what he's always wanted to do. And I've got a lot of stuff coming on Deuce over the next, I don't know, three or four days that it takes me to put together. Uh, about it's really an uncommon dream, but it is his dream he wants to do, Brandon. Uh, A lot of folks look at this story the wrong way. They feel that, oh, he's the accomplished five-star footballer and, you know, this baseball thing is a a fling, is a tryst. Well, Brandon's really not that at all. He's been playing baseball all his life. I mean, I think he got to the age of 12 and he'd already played baseball in 21 different states. Um, and, And really, the steady girlfriend in his athletic relationship was always baseball. The new girl in school that's turned everybody's head, that's kind of football with his career, Brandon. Didn't really even start playing tackle football and full pass football until he was a ninth grader. So really the bedrock, I guess, of his athleticism has always been around baseball. The thing that it shows me is, uh, number one, going to be a college football player He keeps reiterating that stance. Is Number two is he's not going to wait until the major league draft in order to make his decision, the Major League Baseball first-year player draft. A really tiny morsel of what I've learned, and I've got a lot of a lot of Deuce's thoughts on baseball, thoughts from others about Deuce's thoughts as a baseball player. Brendan, he has very easy power, maybe some of the best power uh, in this draft class, that batting practice power that shows up and everybody breaks out the tape measure. His skills power-wise with the bat are as good as anybody in the class. The thing is, um, just nobody's really tried this before. And the other thing you got to think about with with Deuce in, in baseball is you have so many guys that are just more developed. They have a greater skill set. They have everything going on. With, um, they've just been seen a lot more and developed a lot more. And, and that's the thing with, with Deuce, folks. You know, I, I have scouts tell me, Brandon, if he was purely a baseball player with no strings attached with football, he's probably at least the top 100 prospect, if not more, in baseball. It's just the thought of someone shelling out so much money for a player with you know, not a clean resume in terms of he's going to play some football, he's going to be limited in his development cycle, according to other folks. Uh, that's just going to be very hard for somebody to say, hey, here's $3 million and we want you to just play center field for us for the, next, for the next 10 years. I think that sort of thing, um, the dual aspect, the duality of what he's trying to do is actually going to prolong or increase the chances that he plays college football.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, whether he goes to Georgia or to go to USC, I think being somewhere by, like, say, May 31st, June 1st, when, you know, freshmen typically move in, I just think he's making the right decision. You know, Jeff, I... I, based on what I've read, certainly what you're reporting makes a lot of sense is that you know, he's a good baseball player, right? You know, that, that's he's a real baseball player, if not a first rounder. He's at least on the radar for, you know, baseball American, some of these publications like that. But if you try to show up on a college campus, especially Georgia, not USC, I, I don't who even knows, you know, you know, kinda how things work out west. But at Georgia, if you tried to show up well after, you know, May thirty first, June first, whatever the move in date actually ends up being and try to have a productive freshman year I just think you're gonna end up being really frustrated to me would end up feeling like a lost year and so from that standpoint nobody's asked for my opinion but I'll give it anyway if you want to be a football player being in place somewhere by the beginning of the summer so that you can kind of go through that process and get acclimated that is putting him in the position to have I would say a more productive freshman year whether he goes to Georgia whether he goes to USC or whether he goes anywhere else there as well
1: yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, Brandon. I'm congruent with that. You know, this thing for me is you see him, and uh, I'm just going to say this. I, I think he's going to wind up, at least early on in his Georgia career, I think he's going to wind up being a receiver type. I think that will be easier. I think that will be quicker for him to do. He doesn't have all that experience in being a hand in the ground, you know, attached blocker type tight end that Georgia likes to use. Um, and Brandon, let's face it, he's got a lot of DK Metcalf and Mike Evans to his game. Can you imagine? trips on one side and maybe Deuce alone by himself, one-on-one with the defender, and you're just going to throw that ball up and have him go get it with a huge catch radius and incredible vertical at 6 feet, 6 inches, six foot five. I think that's going to be really tough for defenses to deal with, even in practice situations. And I think that's the quick, easy impact for a guy like Deuce uh, to make an impact quickly, whether it's a USC or whether it's out of Georgia. I mean, I think it is a fascinating story. One of the lines I've already written that you guys will see on dognation.com. I think he's the most fascinating story of the 2023 recruiting class because not only just for the fact that the story hasn't ended yet, there are a couple more chapters, a couple more laps. I've seen him on practice fields in, in, in football, Brandon, for high school All-American games. I've seen him in batting cages. I've watched some of the raw video for him working out. I'm going to reiterate this point. He just looks more natural, more comfortable, more like he belongs as oddly as it may seem, as a six foot six, two 225-pound center fielder. Looks very comfortable, looks very natural in the cage and in the box. Um, and for me, somebody figuring out a way they, make, they can fashion him into becoming a first-round draft pick in football, that, it doesn't seem like a tall task either way, Brandon, but it seems like there's a little bit more work and a little bit more polish necessary with football just because he's still so very raw at it.
0: I'll let me finish with this. Uh, I'll let you take this anywhere you want to go to. Go with it. Uh, We have found out the Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the SEC next year. That means all the schedule changes, everything that comes with that, it is all on the very, very near horizon. How do you think this impacts Georgia recruiting the new-look SEC that's about to be a reality for us as soon as this time next year?
1: Hmm, I don't think it's going to affect Georgia recruiting much at all. Maybe, Maybe you might laugh at this, Brandon, but I guess I'm in a joyful mood today. It might be a chance for Georgia to hand out some L's the more people that decide to say no to committing to the G. like You can think of a certain quarterback in Texas. You can think about guys that might go to Oklahoma. You can think about certain receivers. But I think that Georgia-Texas matchup, whenever they meet up in the next you know, three or four years, um, perhaps 2004, 2005, one of the storylines will be that Manning fella who uh, decided not to go to Georgia against a loaded probably number one or number two or number three team in the country in Georgia. I don't know if Georgia's... Um, recruiting efforts can get any more nitrous oxide, uh, can get any more of a boost, get any more of a spiked effort because of the schedule. Um, I'm sure we'll hear things about Georgia, Florida and Jacksonville and, you know, how that could help Georgia recruit even better than it already does. But brother, I don't think they can recruit much better than they are right now, especially with all these facilities, especially with the fact that they've got the NFL pipeline just humming right along. And now they've got back-to-back national championships. It, it really has reached the point where they just pick the guys they want. They select more than they recruit. And, um, I mean, you hear it all the time. Georgia is like the – Georgia – this is what I hear a lot from a lot of kids and a lot of fans. It, Georgia is like that girl that has all the great grades. Her dad's loaded. She's got a great personality. She's, she's beautiful. And it's very hard, very, very hard not to look the other way when Georgia, Georgia comes calling or Georgia sends you a, a text message or Georgia says hi, because right now you want to talk about the pinnacle and the zenith of college football, the dogs are clearly right there.
0: Jeff, it is uh, fascinating stuff. Thanks for your time here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. Hope you have a great weekend. You mentioned a good story coming with Deuce Robbins. We'll look forward to reading that for him from you at dognation.com as well. And, of course, talking to you again very soon, too.
1: Hey, Brandon. Have a great weekend, man. Hope uh, everybody gets lucky and uh, winds up joining us on that uh, Royal Caribbean cruise. Thanks to Kroger, man. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, can't wait for that. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Let's take a look around the rest of
1: the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, interesting
0: stuff from uh, Jeff Sintel there. And, you know, I I, I think that the one thing that's going to impact, I think, Georgia recruiting the most from the changes that come they're just going to be, as we said before, more opportunities for more big games. If Kirby's argument that, hey, Georgia recruiting benefits from big games at home, if that's true, if that's a reason to move the cocktail party, as smart would say that it is, then imagine all of the opportunities to have a spotlight in your program that you're going you're gonna to have in, in future years. More games against LSU, more regular season games against Alabama, something that seems to be uh, a rarity. Uh, you know, Texas may not be very good, but they bring a lot of attention with them. Oklahoma, kind of the same way. How about this? How about in future years in which you're hosting playoff games? Because in a 12-team playoff world, that seems like that's going to be a part of what the future looks like, too, the chance to have a playoff game in your own stadium. How much of of that becomes about the recruiting thing of, hey, you know, we're going to get, I'm assuming you're going to get a chance to use those tickets however you want to, and we'll see a big crop of, uh, of recruits coming to playoff games, maybe something we haven't seen before when Georgia's not one of those top four seeds. Uh, when it's hosting one of those games that could be an interesting thing for the future too we'll talk more about this here coming up in a moment but as Jeff said we got a big one coming up April 24th on the uh, Dog Nation cruise and we're cruising around the SEC right now courtesy of Royal Caribbean and your chance may be still out there to join us on that Dog Nation cruise reach out to Jessica Slater 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147. You can also check out a website that she's put together specifically for you information about the Dog Nation Cruise. It's royaldogs.com. You can go there to find out more about that. royaldogs.com to find out more about that. But it's not just the Dog Nation Cruise coming up in April. We've got a cruise coming up my family here in just a few days now and we're really excited about that 7-day getaway get a chance to really unplug. I just love the idea of that. You know, there's different kinds of cruise itineraries. There's the shorter kind of the three day deal. I'm going to take my mom on a three night cruise coming out later on this summer. There's the four night cruise that we're taking with all of you here, at part of dog nation. But when you can, if you can find that full week to get away, which is not always an easy thing to do, but if you can find that full week to get away, there is something about the seven night cruise, which I love because you know, it, sometimes it kind of takes me a second to sort of get in cruise vibe. You know, it's like Royal Caribbean does a great job of kind of making the sort of the process as they kind of say, go from the car to the bar, you know, you know, kind of get off the uh, out of the car at the uh, port, work your way into the cruise ship. They make that a pretty frictionless experience, pretty easy to do. And yet still for me, you know, when you've come from a busy world and you know it takes that little second to kind of maybe kind of get unwound and relax and kind of get into that cruise mode that's why i love having those seven nights to enjoy on board a great royal caribbean cruise ship because it kind of allows you to sort of ease into that boy that cruise experience by about you know day two or whatever you're you know you, or maybe for some of you from the very get-go but you're kind of in that sort of cruise mode at that point in time it's just sort of a great experience so i'm obviously excited about my cruise i'd love to have you be uh ready to be excited one uh, about one there too So uh, check out Jessica Slater online. She can tell you everything you need to know about Royal Caribbean to get you ready to go on all of that. All right, let's talk about SEC scheduling changes now that we know that Texas and Oklahoma are on their way into the league. The overwhelming likelihood is, I would say, the SEC is on its way to adopting a nine-game conference schedule. Some of this, like everything else is, is about money and the fact that the SEC is going to attempt to negotiate with ESPN for more money because the sec contract was signed with espn prior to the addition of texas and oklahoma so that was based on the current sec you know schedule and the current crop of sec teams now there is more value to the sec product and so they're going to try to negotiate with espn for more money my guess is they probably get that and in doing so they'll move to a nine game conference schedule. It's important to know that not every team in the SEC though has been thought to be in favor of this move and if you really think about it you could probably guess some of the teams that are kind of not. You know the most outspoken team reportedly last summer about the move to a nine game conference schedule was Kentucky. If you think about this you know Kentucky has been able to play eight conference games four non-conference games for a while. And those four non-conference games for the Wildcats in more years than not, and this is not being snarky, this is just objectively true, those four non-conference games have provided an opportunity for Kentucky more years than not to become bowl eligible. The same thing's probably true for Vanderbilt, although they're bowl eligible a lot less frequently, certainly in Missouri, that if you're not a very good team, the fewer SEC games you play, the better you have a chance of going to bowls and sort of having a record that doesn't look embarrassing. You have benefited from only eight conference games. When well, the move to a nine-game conference slate, a lot of teams like the Kentuckys, the Vanderbilts, the Missouris, the whoever's A lot of those kinds of teams are going to find their life much more difficult, and for the most part, a team like Kentucky with the most outspoken critic of moving to the nine-game conference schedule. Ultimately, they're going to be trampled over on this, but this is one of the reasons why the SEC did not announce this a year ago is because they didn't have unanimous agreement that the nine-game conference slate was the uh, right thing to do. I'll give you a comparison from another league here for a moment. You see examples of this in the Big Ten there as well, where a team like Wisconsin has been in the Big Ten West. Now, if you know anything about the Big Ten, you know the Big Ten East with Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State, far deeper as a division with the Big Ten West has been. Wisconsin has added a lot of wins to its you know resume year after year because of the fact that it's been playing in the Big Ten West. And it's also, I think, at times allowed them to kind of go on the cheap. They have historically paid coaches a lot less than other programs have. They've lost some coaches because of that lack of financial commitment. But. You see what they have done in response to the change on the way to the Big Ten, where they are also likely to do without divisions in the future. They go out and get a Luke Fickle from uh, Wisconsin as a head coach. I should say from Cincinnati as a head coach there at Wisconsin. Go out and get a big offensive coordinator out of North Carolina there too. They go out and spend big on a coaching staff because they know in the future their schedule is likely to get much more difficult, and this is their response to it. They're going to spend big bring in a coaching staff so they can be ready for the tough schedule that's on its way. SEC teams are going to be in a similar boat. They're going to have to have some response to the notion of they're about to have a lot few guaranteed wins on their schedule than they used to have. Now, with that said, if this change does happen next year, you'll see an immediate impact on the Georgia schedule. And a lot of this kind of relates to its non-conference opponents. Our buddy Mike Griffith it's had some reporting on this at dognation.com about one of those non-conference games having to go away if a ninth conference game is added let me read this to you from him at dog nation he says georgia's already got four non-conference games scheduled for the 2024 season and it would likely have to drop either tennessee tech on september 7th umass on november 23rd should that league add that ninth conference game uh, uh a source i guess has told mike griffith that the bulldogs are inclined not to drop the neutral site opening game which next season's against clemson on uh august 31st obviously the season ending game against georgia tech either so one of those you know kind of weak sort of we call them buy games the ones where you kind of buy the opponent tennessee tech or whatever that george would likely drop that as a way of adding a ninth conference game which makes obviously a lot of sense I- i've also said uh, earlier in the program that I do have some questions about what the future of the non conference schedule for George is going to look like. George has got a lot of very big marquee non conference, in some cases, home and homes, in some cases, like this situation with Clemson, sort of the neutral site deal. There are a lot of these on tap for the future. I am not quite so sure what the future holds for some or all of those. I think that could be interesting to see just given the the change that's afoot in college football. I think that's an interesting discussion to be had, but for now it's just too speculative to to actually have it. But but you could see more change coming, I believe, with some of the non-conference games that Georgia has on its schedule. For now though, if you are moving to the nine game conference slate, if you are going to have the three permanent opponents and the six rotating opponents, the big question for the SEC becomes, what are the games you have to play? What are the games it's sort of okay to do without? Because you're going to have to do without some big yearly traditional games to make all of this work. And if you're a Georgia fan, to me, there are two games you have to play. I think you have to play Georgia-Florida, and I think you have to play Georgia-Auburn. Georgia-Auburn's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Georgia-Florida is the you know i mean paul feinbaum and others have said in the last few years have been sort of the biggest rival in the sec in the eyes of you know guys like feinbaum back when you know mullen was still there it was in his mind bigger than the iron bowl what was the time the georgia florida has been a very big rivalry florida's not very good right now maybe they will be again at some point in time but regardless of the situation the given year over the course of a long number of years georgia florida is a rivalry game that has to be played well what else has to be played I'd say Alabama-Tennessee has to be played. I would say obviously Alabama-Auburn has to be played. Egg Bowl has to be played. Texas-Oklahoma coming into the league playing each other that has to happen every year. Texas playing Texas A&M they haven't done it a good number of years, but you don't put these two teams in the same league and then not play each and every year. Texas and Texas A&M have to play every year. But along the way towards doing that, if you're going to say okay. We're going to have nine conference games. We want to rotate the opponents more frequently, but we have a small handful of games that have to be played. What do you do without? What no longer gets played on a yearly basis? Well, I think some big-time big, big time games would, would have to be no longer played on a yearly basis. We said earlier, it seems likely to me because I would say that Georgia's third permanent opponent for a number of reasons might more likely be South Carolina than Tennessee, that Georgia-Tennessee might not be played every year anymore going forward. Uh, Alabama LSU it's been one of the biggest games in the SEC now for a good number of years just given the overall math of how you divide all this up and there's a very good chance that Alabama and uh, LSU doesn't get played every year moving forward it's going to be a brave new world a very interesting new horizon on the way and um It is not obvious right now exactly all this works out, but you better be ready for a lot of change because it is coming with the SEC. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of, (laughs) I knew a sneeze was coming and I was trying my best to play defense against it, but uh, there was no doing that. That is cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, no matter how much some things change around college football, here's one thing that doesn't change. That is on the weekend as we get ready to head into a, a fun weekend. We love doing that in style with our friends at the Finish Long Drink. In fact, if you're getting ready for the big game on Sunday, uh, watching that with family and friends, obviously we think a great beverage that goes great with your football experience is our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Go to LongDrink.com. You can put in your uh, zip code and find out where you can pick some up today. And we've also had nice weather here around the state of Georgia over the course of the uh, last few days. A lot of folks kind of sneaking back out to golf courses again for maybe the first time in a little while and that is what we'll also celebrate today with our big finish courtesy of the finished long drink it's kind of a blast in the past our buddy Seth Rhodes sent this to us back in August he says enjoying a finished long drink while I also work on my short game and you love to see that the uh, long drink can there that's the long drink zero no carbs no sugar that Seth's enjoying working on that figure obviously as he works in the short game Uh, but good stuff great to see him enjoying himself and a lot of folks also back on some golf courses this week because as I said especially here in the Atlanta area where I am. weather there's been pretty good this week, if not for a, a little bit of rain. Expected to be cold on Sunday, but last few days have been pretty good. So if you've been out and about, hope, hopefully you've been taking the finished long drink with you as you've been going. Of course, you can find out more about them online, thelongdrink.com, the four different finished long drink varieties, the cranberry, the traditional blue can, grapefruit flavor, citrus uh, uh, gin kick to go along with that. As uh, Seth was enjoying there, the uh, long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar, course the uh, long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume lots of great options for you. you can find them out about all of them there are at thelongdrink.com and you can even find out where you can pick some up today so hopefully you enjoy that for the big game or whatever you have going on here this weekend and as we get ready to say goodbye to you a good handful of golden shoes let's run through a, a few of these here right now we'll probably run out of music but uh, no problem there on that go ahead and give us the first one here golden shoe on a friday uh the official Ross sent this to us we talking about deuce robinson earlier uh he says i think based on the last interview with jeff Sintel, this about sums up the deuce robinson recruiting thing to perfection it's the uh, famous meme of the guy looking at the one girl as opposed to the, uh, his uh, actual girlfriend deuce looking at football now instead of baseball that appears to be the case. The official Ross, I believe, is correct about that, and we'll give him a golden shoe for a very funny meme. They are pretty well done. Speaking of funny memes, our great uh, uh, guy out in our audience, his name is James Loss, and he sends this to us. He says, "Breaking footage reveals how the U.S. shot down the Chinese spy balloon. What you see is Dare Smith uh, Jr. getting up in the air and uh, blocking that thing." much like he would have the field goal for ohio state if it wasn't quite so errant so uh, very funny there i also tagged deris in that too so a uh, good job by our buddy james lawson on that jermaine king sends this to me it's gonna take a second to explain so he uh, tags me with a guy named a cooper 98 who uh has an unbelievable unbelievable tattoo the 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 realism and the detail on this keely ringo interception tattoo is just amazing I mean, it is just amazing. Jermaine King shares this with me and says, B.A., are we going to take up a collection and pay this artist to tattoo? The actual image of Marco Wilson throwing the LSU player's uh, shoe to put on my arm. I don't know that I would look good with ink. I certainly wouldn't look as good as uh, Mr. Cooper does there. But uh, if I ever got a tattoo, that might be what I would get. Jermaine tags it with uh, a B.A. Golden Shoe Tattoo Fund. Go for three and 23. Jermaine, that's really funny stuff. Certainly, well deserving of a golden shoe for you today. That is uh, great. How about our next one here for a moment? George on tap shares this. Evil Coach Yeah shares it. This is sort of like the the share inception. Bleacher Report makes the image. It's Harry Dog holding up Brutus the Buckeye, much like Jalen Carter held up Jaden uh, Jaden Daniels. Fake Coach Yeah shared that. George on tap shared it with me. uh Pretty funny. Anytime we see the Buckeyes getting dragged around by the dogs. Uh, we enjoy that around here so i appreciate everyone involved in getting that to our attention that is very well done golden shoe there then one final golden shoe to give out for today tim grubb shares this he says it's been zero years for the dog since they've won a national championship hashtag go for three and 23 hashtag golden shoe and he shares a uh graphic here of a number of years since, since various schools have won national championships at one point in time we know that georgia would have been on there But now, nothing to worry about. Dogs, if anything, have a long, long uh, drought they're creating for everybody else because George is stacking these national championships lately, including going for two in 22. Tim, good stuff for you. Golden shoe for you indeed. And by the way, speaking of the lousy stinking Gators. The cocktail party may come to an end, but Georgia's dominance in this rivalry is not coming to an end anytime soon. In fact, 260 days from right now, they're going to beat up on Florida again, we believe. That is our Gatorator countdown. Y'all enjoy the big game on Sunday. Have fun, and we'll see you back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then. End of the podcast. Time out the RS Andrews podcast. Cool. Now, we'll take your comments here via Twitter at Dog Nation. Daily comment section at DogNation.com. One thing I have to beg your pardon on, and I got a comment about this the other day, and I didn't really understand it. And now I do. So, I post the show each and every day at DogNation.com. Now, as it stands, I'm kind of a day behind in terms of uh, uh, shows we've done and what's gotten posted on DogNation.com. Most of the people who listen to the podcast don't use dognation.com to access the show they use a the podcast player but a lot of people like to just have the show there at dognation.com and as we've said a million times we want to make the show as accessible on as many platforms as we possibly can the point here though is you know on the one hand I've been kind of a day behind in terms of I'm posting Wednesday show on Thursday or whatever else but also um the other day the show that I intended to put on dognation.com, I accidentally put the wrong show. So that meant like the headline and the the show notes were all about a different show, which is super confusing, I realized. And I got a couple of messages about that. And I didn't really understand what people were saying because I didn't know I'd made the mistake. Then yesterday I realized that. And I, when I put the show at dognation.com, I put a link to both shows, the, 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 the correct show and the show from the previous day that I meant to put, which was confusing to People too. So, I realize this is all my error, and I've messed this up. And of course, if you're just listening on like Apple or Spotify, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, which is totally fine. This is more for a specific group of people. But apologies for that. Hopefully, uh, that'll be cleared up in the future. Here, I mean, it should be today and and beyond. Shouldn't have that issue again. It was just a it was an issue for two days because I messed up the one day, and that created a issue the the second day. So. Long story short, I apologize for that. I, tru- I truly do. It's super irritating to make a mistake like that. But hopefully that won't be a problem going forward. Now, one more thing to tell you, as we're finishing up the recording here on this particular Friday, uh, late breaking here, Ra Thomas has put out on Instagram. You can read more about this at dognation.com. Connor Riley's got a story. You know, Thomas kind of photographing himself in front of his Georgia locker. This is going to be interpreted by Moe's as an indication that Thomas is still on the Georgia team, which I think had been largely assumed to be true anyway. You know, there was a domestic violence allegation against uh, Thomas. I am not really all that familiar with all the details on on that anyway, what's true, what isn't. It's just one of those things that's out there. And obviously, you know, if you're a Georgia fan, you hate the idea that something like that could have gone on, but we don't really know what the actual facts are on that just keeping it to the boundaries of football here for a moment there's just naturally going to be some curiosity of well, what does this mean for thomas as a football player well i think the conveying the kind of prevailing wisdom was we talked to connor riley about this on tuesday that the longer you go without hearing anything on thomas the more you're left to conclude well he's probably still on this football team and if that's what people already thought seeing this Instagram post is going to be largely interpreted as a confirmation of that so it is not an official word on anything it's just more further evidence that it seems like Thomas is probably still on this Georgia roster and likely to be a part of spring practice and everything else that happens there in 2023. So dognation.com, the place to go for more on that. Y'all have a great weekend. Uh, Thanks for being here for the podcast, Cool Down. Find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. And of course, uh, back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Enjoy the Super Bowl and we'll talk to you then, everybody.